Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. Hi, Faith Church family. My name is Yvonne Bleem, and I have been attending Faith Church for 22 years. I met my wonderful husband, Brian, here in a ministry many years ago called Faith Focus, if there's any of you still here. We have raised our two children, Hunter and Brooke, here at Faith, and I've had the awesome privilege of serving in different ministries here over the years, primarily women's ministries, But standing here on stage, talking to all of you, this is a first. I am not a pastor. I'm not a Bible teacher. I'm not even on staff here at Faith Church. I am one of you. So I'm just here seeking to be filled with God's grace and wisdom like all of you. Just seeking to be able to do this thing called life and do it in a God-honoring way. So as Pastor Joe said, we're going to continue in the Living Wisdom series today. And hold on to your seats because this is not easy stuff. We're going to be continuing to talk about how our faith and how our work life intersects. And, you know, we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes 2, 17 through 26 and, and hearing from King Solomon who had this amazing, amazing kingdom on earth here. I mean, he was the wisest, wealthiest, most powerful person on earth. And yet, he struggled. He felt that it was all pointless, that his work was meaningless. He went on to say that he hated his life. I mean, can you imagine having so much And feeling so empty and broken. I don't know if you can say that at times in your life. That you can say, yeah, been there. I have hated my life. I have felt that what my work was to me, to other people, it felt meaningless. I know I have. And I think that's why God has brought me before you. To share maybe some of my challenge and my brokenness in this piece of my life. And, and hopefully be able to provide you some encouragement along the way. On February 3rd of this year, God began to prepare my heart <laughs> and, and prepare me for what I would be sharing for you, with you today. So it was the second notable time in my life where I felt no satisfaction, um, no joy in, in my work situation. And I will share a little bit more about that later, but what I can tell you is the Holy Spirit, when you are a believer and you have the Holy Spirit that speaks truth into you, you can feel confident that, yes, there are times when our work feels completely meaningless, but God can give you that sense of purpose and help you to understand that the work you do is meaningful. So before we get to the present day, I I hope you don't mind me sharing a little bit of my story and and kind of the first time when I felt 
that, that frustration and loss of what my purpose was. And so we'll, I'll travel back to 2009. And in my career at that time, I was in pharmaceutical sales, or as my family liked to jokingly say, I was a legal drug dealer. <laughs> but I had sold medications for cancer patients. And so my aspiration for that job was that I just wanted to do anything I could do to have cancer patients get a little bit more time with their family and friends. I was passionate about it. Like many of you maybe though, it only takes one tragedy to flip your world upside down. And so for me, my father, who was my biggest rock and encourager in life, died of a heart attack right in front of me. He was healthy, he was young, he was strong, and he was taken in an instant. And how ironic that my career aspiration was getting more time for patients to have longer time with their family and friends, and I couldn't do anything to help him. So not only was the loss hard of not having him here with me, but I was angry with God for taking him before he had fulfilled a lot of his goals on this earth. He had so many things. He had just recently retired at an early age because he wanted to accomplish other things. So his work did not feel finished. And so I felt frustrated by all of it and I spiraled into depression. And what I can say was, God meets us where we are, especially in our most broken state. And so he did for me. As I wrestled, I had been in women's ministries here at Faith Church, um, just in vol voluntary capacity. But I thought, what is my purpose? How am I going to leave a lasting impact here in this world? Should I not be in the pharmaceutical industry anymore? Should I be doing something more meaningful? And so where God met me, and it was one of the first times that I've ever truly felt the Holy Spirit speak to me so clearly I could not ignore it. And it was that I don't want you to be a leader in the Christian world. I want you to be a Christian leader in the world. Now that's my calling. That's my calling. Fortunately for so many staff and, and employees here at Faith Church, they're called into ministry. But that's not my calling and probably not most of you. I didn't know at the time what that meant for me. I had small children. They were three and five at the time. And I felt God saying to me, I want to stretch you. I want to have you do something beyond what you feel you are capable of. And so, again, I wrestled. I wrestled with that. I prayed about it. And I thought, okay, what is it that you, God, have put in me that is my passion? And so that night I thought about it and I realized it's this whole topic of leadership, that's my personal passion that he put in me was this understanding leadership. How, how, what does it take for, for good leaders to rise and, and to lead in a way that makes a lasting impact? And so that night, I ended up feeling called to apply for a doctorate in strategic leadership program. Now, I had looked at programs all over the country, but God brought this one program at Regent University a doctorate in strategic leadership at a biblically-based university that I could understand Christ-like principles and how he approached leadership. And I mean, it has changed my career trajectory. It's changed my life going through this program. 
and I know he's going to continue to use it and stretch me and take me out of my comfort zone, like standing right here before you right now. But I knew I had to be obedient and take that leap of faith. So God began to prepare me a few months ago for what would happen and why I would be standing here sharing this message today. And he, in his perfect timing, he put on Pastor Joe's heart several weeks ago to invite me here and to talk about this topic of how we can love our work. Because when he reached out to me, I was not loving my work. And I thought, God, now what? What are you doing? Why, why do I have to stand here and try to share this? And big disclaimer here, I, I, I don't have the answer. And God is not like a genie in a lamp where you can rub it. And all of a sudden, work goes from meaningless to meaningful in a matter of an instant. I, I've asked for him to do that. He, he doesn't operate that way for me. But what he does is continue to give me wisdom in his perfect timing. And so, although I haven't had the most satisfying career journey this year, what he has shown me and, and what I'm here to share with you is that maybe in our limited humanity, when work often feels meaningless, it's often because it's misunderstood. So, if you have your Bibles, please open them up, turn them on, and turn to Ecclesiastes 2, 17 through 26, so we can continue studying the words written by King Solomon, wealthy, wise, powerful man who, again, struggled and proclaimed over and over again, everything is meaningless. His work felt pointless. I'll read the entire passage, and then let's see if we can discover together the wisdom of learning to love our work. Starting in verse 17, so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish, yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun." This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. You may be thinking, boy, that passage reads pretty negative. Where is the encouragement in any of it? But I do ask that you don't get up and ask for your ticket refund and, and leave the building yet. Although it seems like the toil is pointless, meaningless, exhausting, even at times regretful, please don't miss the prescriptive lesson in the second half of this passage. 
on how we can actually find enjoyment and satisfaction in our work. And so this brings me to the first lesson out of three in how to love your work, and it's this. I mentioned it before, work is meaningless if not properly understood. Let me revisit the question I asked at the beginning. I mean, do you ever hate your life? Do you ever find that your work is meaningless? Do you ever feel like you're not making a difference in the world with the work that you're doing? Or do you feel like you're just unnoticed or unappreciated with the work that you do? Can you relate to verses 17 and 23 and feel somewhat resentful because all of your toil and labor and the fruits of your labor are going to get passed on to someone who may not steward it well? It may be children. It may be coworkers. It may be just the organization you work for. I mean, do you also feel like you're working so hard and maybe a coworker, maybe a boss is reaping the benefit, taking the credit for all of your hard work? It can all be frustrating and feel pointless at times. And work should mean something. I mean, if not, what's the point of it? We spend so many hours working. And if you go back to the beginning in Genesis, when man was created in God's image, work was not always hard and pointless. God appointed Adam and Eve to exercise royal dominion over creation. But as God's representatives, it was the basic purpose for which God created man. Humanity was expected to physically work, manage and care for creation, but in a way that mirrored God's image. Work was intended from the beginning to serve God's purpose, not our own. Boy, has that shifted and the mindset shifted in our world. It's because of our rebellion against God that the meaning behind work changed. We may find ourselves frustrated in our work when we leave God out of the equation. Since the fall of mankind, Satan has taken every advantage to confuse every aspect of our lives. Work is not excluded. His temptations are full of enticing options. And it seems to promise fulfillment and pleasure in some way. And perhaps, you know, you're working right now and you're working towards riches or renown or contentment or maybe just acceptance Acceptance from a spouse, a family member, a friend, maybe just acceptance into society's standards. But when work is done for the wrong reasons, I promise you, it's pure deception to think that true satisfaction is ever going to come. So, what is the solution to finding meaning in our work? Let me reread a portion of verses 24 through 26 again. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too I see is from the hand of God, for without him who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. I mean, isn't it refreshing to know that God's hand is in all of it and that he wants us to have satisfaction in our work? He plays an active role. It, it, it is fortunate that it is not within our control alone that we have to find satisfaction because I know I would never find it. I'd continue to seek and seek and seek and change and I would never find it. 
but we need to fully embrace and understand what our role is in the process and what God's role is in the process. Therefore, the second lesson in learning to love your work is this. If we seek to please him in our work, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. He generously gives it. He is such a good God. But we have to be deliberate and approach our work with the intent to please God through our actions, our thoughts, and our words. And that's when we'll find true satisfaction. So we can't be passive, let God do all the work. We have to take action, and that action is pleasing him. And I can guess, some of you feel very unfulfilled in your situation right now. So whether you're unemployed or you're in a job that you absolutely are miserable, or you're retired and you're thinking, I'm done, I put, I put my time in, now what work do I have to do? And sorry to tell you this, but your work is not over. God still is going to use you, and you have opportunities set before you. And it's also very, very challenging when you're in a tough work environment to be able to find joy. But God is not asking us to be joyful first. Hear me when I say he's asking us to be pleasing to him and he will supply the happiness. In Colossians 3.23, slaves were directed, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. I mean, if you don't like your work situation, if you don't like what you do, if you feel a slave to whatever your situation is, can you change the way you think about it and approach it in a way that you're reminding yourself, ultimately, you're there to serve God and not to serve man. You're there to fulfill his purpose in you and not to please man in some way. I'm sure defining what pleases God is a little bit different for all of us. We all are called to different specific roles. And so maybe by just giving you some examples, it might help you think through what it means for you. I mean, whether you're an accountant and, and God is asking you to be pleasing to him by having high ethical standards and good practices with bookkeeping. I mean, isn't that so basic? But boy, have we seen people that have taken slippery slope, gone down a slippery slope by fudging one number in big corporations and all of a sudden, you know, they're on the pages of Wall Street Journal. You know, for those of you that are doing social work, wow, you have a hard job. I mean, you're dealing with people that have mental health issues, addictions, poverty. But can you be pleasing to God by continuing to do that hard work? and loving those people that are brought before you and exemplifying Christ. You know, for those of you that have, have skilled labor, manual jobs, elevator mechanics, can you please God by operating with excellence and by just loving those people that you're serving by fixing and repairing elevators so that their safety is the utmost importance? Coaches, you have an incredible role to be able to influence the athletes that are set before you. Can you please God by doing it in a way that you're encouraging good sportsmanship? You're teaching Christ-like character to these athletes instead of maybe putting winning first so much to the, to the point that the whole um, other benefit that you have 
to take advantage of is teaching them this good sportsmanship. Students, you, your work right now is your good study habits. So can you please God by having excellent study habits? For those of you that are retired, can you encourage others and please God by just thanking people and, and sharing some of the wisdom that you've garnered over the years with others? You know, in complete contrast, it's very easy. It's very easy, and I, I'm guilty of it all the time, of instead of acting in a way that's pleasing to God, being impatient with my family, um, showing partiality to someone at work, maybe getting angry with our coworkers, and just doing things that I know are not honoring to God. It's easy to take shortcuts in life sometimes. At least it feels like it in the short term. So whoever you are, whatever your work entails, can you honestly say to yourself that the way you approach it is with the intent of pleasing him first? It's hard. But the third and final lesson in learning how to love your work is this. God desires for each of us to live an abundant, purposeful life and give him all the glory. You know, I'm an optimist and a visionary, and so I thrive when I can visualize a positive future. And one of my favorite verses in all the Bible is Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I'll tell you, I have to cling to this verse at times in my life when I feel discouraged in my job, when I feel like I'm not appreciated or valued in some way. I mean, sometimes I hear that nagging voice in my head that causes me to compare my calling and purpose to someone else next to me. That is not what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to feel like he should be separate from our work either. So we shouldn't compare our calling to others because God gave each of us unique skills, gifts, and abilities that you can use to fulfill his purpose. I mean, just as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are three in one, but yet they all have unique roles in our lives. And they can do those roles in harmony and with joy. And the beautiful thing about each of us having our own unique roles and skills and abilities is that when we use our gifts in accordance with his plan and purpose, work does not have to feel like punishment, but a partnership with God. And what a joy and satisfaction that could be to live that out. But we have to think less self-serving and more God-serving in our thinking when it comes to work. I don't know how many of you have ever read anything by Rick Warren, but Rick Warren wrote a famous book that has helped so many people, including me, called The Purpose Driven Life. If you haven't ever read it, run out this week and get it. It's, it's fantastic. Um, but he has a lot of profound words in there, and, and one of them that just struck me and I continue to hold on to is that you were made by God and for God. And until you understand that, life will never make sense. Let me say that again. You were made by God. We all know that. But you were made for God, for his purpose. And until you understand that, life will never make sense. 
He goes on to say that knowing God's purpose for creating you will reduce your stress, focus your energy, simplify your decisions, give meaning to your life, and most importantly, prepare you for eternity. Dear church, remember that this life is not about us. It feels like it. We, We fall into that trap all the time that we think everything is about us. It's not. It's about God. It's about honoring him with our choices, thanking him for the blessings and opportunities he gives us, and ultimately living out his purpose in our lives. When we refocus on accomplishing his goals and not ours, that's when we're able to live with joyful satisfaction in what we're doing, and he gets all the glory for it. You know, I've realized it's dangerous to think that my, in my own limited understanding and wisdom, <laughs> that it can guide my work decisions. I've fallen victim and allowed circumstances to dictate my feelings and my reactions. At times, I have been hindered by my, by my own choices that I couldn't find joy, I couldn't find satisfaction. You know, I'm guilty of chasing careers and titles and worldly ambitions and, and possessions. I'm guilty of all of it, but what I've realized is that what God was asking me to do was surrender it all to him. Every aspect of my life, it's not separate. We, get, we don't get to categorize things and keep something for God and something that is just for us. It doesn't work that way. So the times that I have been able to operate with the intent to please God, let me just share what it's meant for me and maybe you can relate So this year alone, I was rejected time and time and time again for jobs at the beginning of this year that I thought I was very qualified for and such human disappointment in that. And I think that's very normal. But what God said to me and spoke into me was that, are you done trying to work so hard? Can I do my job in you now? Can I let me do my work? And when I did that, I realized he will close the door I'm not supposed to go through, open the one that I am supposed to go through. I mean, over and over again, I've, I've been able to operate in a pleasing manner that has given me that extra dose of grace to maybe lovingly serve coworkers that don't return the favor or to forgive those that have hurt me because he gives me that extra dose of mercy when I really, really need it. I don't know if this resonates with any of you, if you have felt these things or if it's just me, but when our desire is to please him and be a good steward with the opportunities and responsibilities and people he set before us, remember, you're already in his beautiful favor if just your intent and goal is to please him. It is hard to try to mirror God's image. We are human and we fail. I fail over and over again. But I think it's really important that no matter what your work situation is, whether it's in the home or outside the home, that we need to realize that it doesn't have to feel meaningless. It doesn't have to feel hard and pointless all the time. 
I mean, remember when I told you at the beginning, when God revealed to me what my calling and purpose was, it was to remain a Christian leader in the world. And I have remained that way. I have stayed in the pharmaceutical industry, although I am no longer a legal drug dealer. I'm not in pharmaceutical sales. I actually train people to be legal drug dealers now. So, um, you know, it's been an awesome transition over the last couple of years. But at the beginning of this year, I was what I thought was the pinnacle of my career. I, I had a job as head of commercial training and development, and I loved my work. I felt very fulfilled. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, what felt like in an instant, it was all taken away. Uh, the company that I had worked so hard, um, exhausting amount of hours to build up commercially, and we just had launched our first commercial product. It was such a great time in my career. The company folded. Um, the drug was pulled off the market and it was all gone. There were no more drug dealers to train because they were all gone. And I was left feeling very frustrated and, and completely deflated yet again. And in his kind, loving approach, again, he said to me, stop trying so hard. I got this, just follow me. Try to please me in whatever I set before you and you will find joy and satisfaction again. And, and I have. He's so good. I have a job that I really enjoy. He provided it. Of the many, many jobs I actually applied for and interviewed for, I didn't get any of them. I got the job that I never even reached out to. They came to me. So it was a God thing. Even standing before all of you and having this opportunity, God provided this so that maybe hearing some of my brokenness, hearing my experience, it will bless some of you. And I just ask, think about these reminders this week. Challenge yourself to think about what it means in whatever work capacity you're in right now, what you can do to please God. Because remember, work can be meaningless if not properly understood. But if we seek to please him in our work, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. God desires for each one of us to live an abundant, purposeful life and to give him all the glory for it. Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, please bless, empower, encourage, and remind each of one of us this week that we have work that is worthy. We have a life worth living. It does not have to feel like our work is meaningless when we put you as part of the equation. Would you equip us this week? to feel that way, regardless of where we are in our work situation. Help us to lovingly serve others, encourage others, make a difference and exemplify you in the way we interact with others this week. Would you just continue to give us your wisdom so that we can make decisions that are honoring to you? In your wonderful name, amen.